Hello. If you are into conversations that are habitually disruptive, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian, the speakeasy edition. All right, guys, what's up? Welcome to the second episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian, the speakeasy edition. This week's episode is about the juxtaposition of being a Christian and a believer in God and in his word and being someone who uses cannabis medically and a little bit sometimes recreationally. Just hear me out, okay? I realize that this is an extraordinarily polarizing topic. It's kind of the point. We are diving in headfirst on the controversial things that we tiptoe around in person, and we are now being forced to tiptoe around. So I just recently came clean (laughs) about using cannabis medically to supplement and take the place of the multiple pharmaceutical medications that I've been on for the last eight-ish years. So I tried this once, I don't know, a couple of months ago, and it didn't go well. People got super upset. I lost a bunch of followers. The post that I put up got reported. It was just weird. I honestly, retrospectively, now having had the experience that I've had the second time, like, I think it was just the wrong time. But I kind of came out talking about it uh, in the last, I don't know, month or two. And the response has been so great. People have had questions and they have disagreed and they have had completely different experiences with cannabis than I have. And I see and acknowledge and justify, understand that that has been their experience. And they've been capable of doing the same for me and being willing to kind of see it from a different direction. It's just been really cool. It's been this really cool experience, not of convincing people that I'm right. This is genuinely not about changing minds. It's about giving you another side of the coin and not yelling at you about it and not being pissed off about it, but just being like, okay, cool. I 100% understand why you hate cannabis or why you think people should stay away from it because you have had a terrible experience with it and you have seen it do terrible things just like anything can, okay? And being able to stand confidently in the truth that this is my experience and Therefore, it is also valued and worthy of having a voice and being told. So when that kind of that conversation unfolded on my Instagram, I stuck with my stories because that felt safer. So I was more communicating in DMs and kind of opened the floor for questions. And the number one question was like, what about being sober minded when you smoke or take a gummy or use a tincture? If you're high because that's what cannabis does then how are you aligning that with bible verses because there are bible verses that tell us to be sober-minded in our walk with christ so i want to give a necessary disclaimer here i know that people their response to this podcast episode and probably already has been to my instagram content is that i'm twisting scripture to make it say what i want it to say and that's okay if you think that It really is. Because honestly, there are people that I think that about. Like full stop, there are people out in the world with voices that will position a Bible verse and say, this is what I think this says. And I 100% wholeheartedly disagree. So if I do that, why would I rob you 
of the right to do the same thing back to me. (laughs) Now, that's the ultimate hypocrisy. So it really is okay if you listen to this episode or any episodes that come in the future and think, this girl is twisting scripture to say what it is convenient for her for it to say. All I'm asking is that you hear me out, that you don't just go, ugh, that the girl named Blake on Instagram thinks that Christians can use weed and she's leading people into sin and you've never actually tried to hear my heart on it. When I am giving you my heart on a platter. So let's make that agreement. You can say I'm twisting scripture if you hear me out on it. (laughs) I have always had a super anxious mind and even body. I've remember pulling all-nighters as young as seven, just not sleeping because I couldn't fall asleep and always having my brain be really, really loud and had a lot of focus trouble. But I also wasn't talking about it and not because there wasn't a safe place for me to talk about it because there was. I didn't have words. So parents of teenagers, maybe they're not not talking to you. Maybe they don't know what to say. Now as an adult, You know, I've had some good conversations with my parents about it, and they have said that they wish they would have gotten me help younger. And that's one of my favorite things about the things that have changed in the last 20 years is how far we've come on mental health and therapy and the church is so much more accepting and welcoming of that. And just if your kid's not talking to you, if if they're struggling and they can't tell you why. Maybe they just don't have the language. That's just my experience (laughs) because I can remember being 15. I started self-medicating around 15. Some guy I was dating that I don't even remember his name introduced me to it. And I mean, very illegal, very illegal. But (laughs) I can still remember sitting on like the grossest couch ever. We're watching the Chappelle shows like, you know, the stereotype. But my brain being so quiet and kind of looking around oh, this is, I don't hate it in here. This is cool. And I mean, you can say I got addicted to feeling better, (laughs) but smoked all through high school, AB student, you know, lived in the dance studio, good kid, didn't really get in trouble, made some bad decisions, go to LSU. I'm on that same trajectory. And then I meet Jesus. For real meet Jesus, right? I grew up in a Christian home, legitimate. You know, my parents like love Jesus and are amazing. And I just didn't get it. (laughs) I just didn't get it. And then I got it. And once I got it, I dove head first, right? I mean, and I don't regret that at all. Got found a, a college ministry to get involved with got involved and very much the messaging was and continues to be I think largely weed is bad getting high is wrong you got to quit doing that that's hindering your walk with the lord and I 100% I was yeah okay you're right I need to stop smoking I was drinking a little bit but just like very socially I need I'm not doing all these things I'm only listening to christian music I don't regret that I'm thankful that that was my experience because I think sometimes you have to go zero to 100, especially when you find something as good as Jesus. <laughs> like, But a year into that, I am at the LSU Student Medical Center telling the doctor that I'm, I, I'm not doing great. I'm flunking out of classes. There's a lot of things going wrong. 
I'm having some like scary mental illness stuff. And so I get put on the first of many SSRIs that I would be on for the next 15 years because I'm still on them. That turned over the last, I guess, more 10 years, went from just being on an SSRI to being on six daily doctor prescribed and managed prescription medications and hating my life and feeling like, okay, this can't be right. I know that some people need to take all of this stuff to like keep their heart pumping and you know, maybe I need a few of these for my brain, but I feel this is this feels like overkill. If that's your experience, if you're on a bunch of pharmaceutical medications, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm saying it wasn't right for me. Okay. So my journey into scripture like First Peter and like First Timothy that have a lot of instruction on sober mindedness and the Christian life. I actually started there because I was grappling with these pills I was taking every day. It wasn't, it, cannabis was not even on my radar remotely. It had been, crap, 15 years. 15 years, that's crazy. So I start grappling with these parts of scripture and digging into sober-mindedness. What does that mean? And because I don't know about you, and I think the answer is different. When you give people the word sober, They either think not drunk or sad, like I'm sobered, I'm sad. Maybe that's just me. Those are the two definitions that I have pulled from you when I've asked you, like, what does sober mean? People either say not drunk, you know, not under the influence or sad. And those are two uses for the word sober and sober minded. There are plenty of places in scripture that instruct believers against drunkenness. There's also a bunch about how to love people well and not generally be a terrible human. So, you know, pick your poison. I'm not going to get into the weeds of the Hebrew. I'm not a scholar. I'm not trying to pretend to be some great theologian. But when I look at the outline of biblical usage for a word in scripture and it says to be calm and collected in spirit and to be in one's right mind and to exercise self control, That brings an interesting set of questions with it. Questions like, okay, what does being sober-minded actually look like? What's the fruit of that? What's the good in that? Because God is a good God and his instructions for us are good. What am I doing now that is hindering me in that? Okay, fruit in my life looks like honoring God with my life and the choices that I make and the gifts that he gave me to hopefully facilitate people closer to him in some capacity. For me, that looks like being a really faithful mother and wife and creating content and doing other things in the online space. That's mine, right? Your fruit is going to be different or maybe it's the same. That's cool. So the knowledge that God's leading me, empowering my efforts, we're on the same team. What is hindering me from doing that to the fullness of the capacity God's given me? No weapon formed against me will prosper, but sometimes it can feel like they're prospering. So what are those things and what can I do to eliminate them? So for me, I specifically began evaluating how different stimuli and different substances and different thought patterns impacted my ability to be of sound mind and produce fruit like love joy peace patience you know the song what 
in my life is hindering me from being calm and collected in spirit. And then I started working on eliminating those things as I could identify them. So my list to date is caffeine, crime-related content. I'm real bummed about that one lately because I missed Dateline. Real bad. But it's also been so good for my brain and for my peace. And I am not trying to convict anyone else similarly. I'm just saying that's been my experience lately. I'm hoping to maybe one day have a better relationship with it and be able to incorporate it sometimes. Anyway, it also looked like there were some people that needed to lose some power in my life. And I got off of five of the six pharmaceuticals that I've been on for the last six, five to six years. Like that's my list. This is my very personal list. And in that process, cannabis joined the mix. Uh, At first, I was utilizing it under instruction to help supplement getting off of pharmaceuticals like the daily Xanax that I was on because I had had so many panic attacks in a month that I had to do, we had to put me on something to calm down my system. And then I just stayed on it because I was scared to death to get off of it. Now I largely use it just in place of them and we can get into how I feel and how I use it in a little bit. But you know, that really, all of that opens up a whole different conversation into mental health and the church. And that's a conversation that I want to have. I think I'm just going to save it for another episode. Let's like stay on the topic at hand with the green stuff. And we will talk about mental health in the church. So I've kind of laid some general flyover groundwork as far as being sober-minded and theologically where I land, that my instruction from God is to love one another and to love God and to run my race to the best of my ability with his empowerment. And just like coffee or working out or supplements can help you along with those things, cannabis does so for me in this season. In my experience, there are two reasons generally that people disagree with how I've gotten where I am today in my beliefs. It's either Public perception, like what they've been told, or they know someone, or they themselves had a really bad experience with cannabis. I mean this in all seriousness. I feel the same exact way about coffee and caffeine in general. I am so put off by it. I don't want to come anywhere near it. And I've had the worst experience with it. And like, I think people probably should quit drinking coffee. Like, I don't think it's great for them. I don't think it's as good for them as they think it is. Straight up, I understand if you have a negative, like if you have a negative perception of this subject, I want you to understand that I get it. And like, I still want you to be here. Okay. Like, I'm not aggravated that you disagree because I understand. But can we talk about the public perception just a little bit? Can we talk about historically how we got to a place where Americans and specifically American Christians feel the way that they do about cannabis? Because cannabis has been around forever. Like it has been documented way back in like almost 3000 years before Jesus is documented to have been born. Okay. It's in this emperor's, like, father of Chinese medicine's book documented to treat things like arthritis and inflammation and lack of appetite and even mental health, 
you know, I don't know what they would have called anxiety then. It's always been medicine. It's always also been used recreationally because people don't really change that much. Xanax started to treat a very real and necessary mental issue. And now it's probably more popular for being abused. So it's not until the 1930s in America that it gets its real negative spin and everybody decides that it's bad. It was pretty generally accepted up until then. It was legal. It was just kind of normal. And then the Federal Bureau of Narcotics is created. The guy that's in charge of it is this raging racist who just like hates black people. And he puts legislation in place to make not only change the terminology to marijuana in order to make it sound like it's coming in through the cartel and and is therefore illegal, but also they make it illegal. And it's so that he can put a bunch of black musicians in jail. (laughs) It's super shady, okay? If you followed me for any amount of time, you know that I do not ascribe to CRT ideology, but we have to be capable of saying that there is systemic racism that exists in America and that this is a huge arm of it between Nixon's war on drugs and Clinton's tough on crime. Cannabis use has been leveraged to oppress an entire population of people forever. Honestly, one of the few good things Obama did when he was in control was like started pardoning people for weed charges. So anyway, is cannabis bad or have you just been taught that it's bad? Is cannabis bad or is it just not for you? Just like caffeine is not for me. That's that's what I have to say about that. There were a couple of other questions that people asked kind of over and over and I wanted to go ahead and address those. First one was, or the second one I guess, is law of the land, the legality of it. Where I live in Louisiana, it is medically legal. We have a dispensary in town, one, and that's a whole situation, but it is legal. I have my little card. I can go in there and walk out and it literally looks the exact same as the little paper bag that I pick up that has my Prozac in it. It's the same, okay? So I did wait until it became legal in Louisiana. That was my personal conviction and interpretation of obeying the law of the land. But I will tell you honestly that even that belief was tested when the vaccine was going to be mandated. When the vaccine was going to be mandated for my husband to go to work, I was going to be willing to break the law of land because that's insane. So I haven't quite landed that plane. I'm going to be totally honest. But that is the other side of the coin. The other really popular question was about consumption. People wanted to know what I take, when I take it, how I take it, how it makes me feel. Do different things do different things? I'm going to get into that a little bit, but I'm going to be honest. This is a whole world that you are opening the door to. I started my experience with the little gummies that you can buy in the little bag that has a Ziploc at the top. And it's the most, it tastes like sour candy. And it's the most normal thing ever. I started there. I really did that for a long time. Didn't start experimenting with the effects of using flour, which would be the bud, which would be smoking it. I don't do that very often because I do know the very real 
ramifications of smoking. I have multiple grandparents who have died from lung cancer. I'm not interested in going that way in life. That's just me. That is, again, my personal conviction. When, (laughs) this is like kind of a running joke amongst my closest people, I am honestly fairly convinced that when I consume low amounts of cannabis, my brain feels and sounds like people without anxieties. I've always said I wish I could just climb in Jeremy's brain and take a nap because he's definitely got his stuff and he struggles, but anxiety is just not really one of them. And so when I am under the influence of a plant that grows out of the ground that was most likely God's idea and creation, I feel better. I live better. I love better. And here's where I get hung up. That was largely acceptable when I was kind of achieving that with pharmaceutical medication. And it has not been okay when it has been a plant that I could grow in my backyard if it was legal here. I just want to make sure we see the disparity there. In my personal experience, those were my choices. And this is the choice that I have made and what's been the best thing for me and my family. I typically take about two milligrams in the morning and a couple more in the afternoon. I very rarely look, appear, or feel stoned. (laughs) Most people who use cannabis medically do not fit the dazed and confused stereotype. We are very normal, (laughs) productive, successful, present people. This is just a part of it. And, you know, I definitely hope to maybe facilitate some conversation. I know I used it in secret for a year out of shame, out of still not being confident that I could explain my reasoning and how I'd gotten where I'd gotten and what I believe. And I was just scared because people can be really mean. And it's hard to give people more ammo to shoot back at you. And so my hope is that I can go first a little bit because I will tell you that overwhelmingly the response in my DMs is a, is a resounding like me too, or I've been looking into this, or I would so much rather you be using this than taking all of those drugs and feeling like a zombie. I think people are maybe ready to have these conversations, to ask the hard questions, to look at what they believe and ask why they believe it. And if they don't change their mind, then that's great. It takes all kinds of kinds. And the whole point of this is being able to disagree, okay? But it's difficult to disagree with someone when you don't really understand what they think and what they believe and how they got where they got. And so that is what I wanted this to serve as. I wanted to, first of all, I just wanted to be able to point people to a long form piece of content that is, here's how I feel and what my experiences is with this. I want this to be out there. I don't want there to be room for misunderstanding. And I realize that this is asking you to take your time to listen to this. If you've made it this far, I freaking love you. But I'm also very much looking forward to just opening up more about what this one small, this is such a small thing. Like this is such a small part of me and who I am and what I believe. But I also know that it's, it's interesting and people are curious. And again, I think people are becoming, I think we're seeing people become more willing 
to have difficult conversations. And I am so here for that. I hope that you enjoyed this. As of now, the plan is for next week's episode to be (laughs) about being a Christian influencer, what that world looks like, kind of the good, bad, and the ugly of it, the reality of it. And it is, this is not an expose. I am not spilling any tea. This is not, like there's nothing maniacal about it. It is simply, this has been my experience. This is what I have seen and what I have learned because first of all, this is my life and that's what I'm showing up to share here. And also because I can tell you that I'm, again, if you go back to the first episode, I said I wanted this to be the conversations that I'm having around my kitchen table. Well, I may not be having these conversations around the kitchen table, but I am having them in my DMs and in my text messages. And a lot of people are having really similar experiences. I think we should talk about it. So unless something catastrophic happens in world history between today and next Friday, that's what we're going to talk about next week. See you then. Thank you.